if you're wearing shoes with laces, you may want to lace them up tight. We've got a lot of ground to cover. I don't want you to trip over them. But we're going to try to do this this morning. We're still in Colossians. And if you were with us last week, then you know that we were hearing Paul say that there are, as, a, as a believer in Christ, as a new creation in Christ, there are some things that need to be removed from your life. Things that Paul said you're to take off like an old dirty your old dirty clothes. In fact, to even use a more extreme term, he says there are some things in your life that you need to put to death, that you need to kill these things. Why? Because they're deadly to you and they're harmful to your relationships and they don't do anything for your Christian witness or for the kingdom of God. Therefore, you don't want these things in your life. All they do is trip you up and slow you down and mess everything up. So you want to get them out of your life. And then... There's some things that Paul says you need to put on. When you take off this, you're not going around naked. When you take off these dirty garments, there's something you put on that makes you look more like Christ. And he helps us to understand what those were. Let me just give you a little refresher in Colossians 3, 12 to 14. He says this, put on then as God's chosen ones, you're chosen. Holy, you're set apart by God. And beloved, you're near and dear to the heart of God. Put on then compassionate hearts kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. In other words, it's you're doing this as an individual, but it affects your relationships, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, again, in relationship, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, he says, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And He's not just talking about you as an individual. I want you to get this picture. He's talking about you and your relationships, not just within your immediate family, but also in your family, the church. This is intended, in other words, for your spiritual health and growth, but it goes beyond that. It's for the spiritual health and growth of the church of God. It causes a church, when people are like this and they're putting on these attributes, It causes a church to be healthy and dynamic and growing and to be a strong witness in the world. Why? Because God brings all these different people together from all these different backgrounds with all these different experiences and somehow he brings out of that harmony, love, working shoulder to shoulder, not at each other's throats. He's able to put these pieces together that are so different and so disparate And yet God's able to do it. And when the world looks at that, they go, my goodness, I want to be a part of something like that. Where Jesus erases all these lines that separates us and instead draws this big circle and joins us in the middle of it. Well, that's what the church is supposed to be. And and I want you to know we're in this together. And that's really what this message is about. We're in this together. We can do more together than we could ever do apart. And, you know, when we get ready for something like this Sons of Jubal concert, we're, we call, you know, all hands on deck. We need everybody involved. But that's just, hey, that's just one day. There's a lot of preparation for it. It's a big day, but it's one day. But we're called to be together in this connected 365 days a year, every year of our lives. So none of this is done in isolation that Paul is calling us to do. 
In fact, if you go to the New Testament, you will never find a free-range Christian. What do I mean by that? You will never find a disconnected Christian. It is the pattern of the New Testament, and it is wisdom for us that when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, that they connect with the body of Christ. They begin to belong to the body of Christ. And many of you could stand up and come up here like Jerry did and give testimony to the power of belonging to the body of Christ to transform your life, to transform your family, and it can transform everything. And so with that in mind, I want us to pick up, and we're only going to look at three verses this morning, but they are so key, so important. So let's, let, let's look at these together. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17, and we're just going to take them one at a time and pull a few things out that I think we need to note out of these verses. So let's first look at verse 15, and it says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I want you to understand this is plural, not singular. Rule in your, talking to the church, you rule in your heart. So this is something that we have in common, to which indeed you were called to one body. Again, get the idea, we're in this together. And be thankful. So let's consider that for a moment. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What is this peace? Well, the Greek word means peace or quietness or rest or at one again. In fact, if you go back and you trace the word, we find that it literally means the binding or joining together again of that which was separated and divided. In other words, the concept of peace in the Greek has to do with this wholeness. Being One translator or commentator said, uh, having it all together. We, we have a different, if a person has it all together, we're, that, that's a little different than what we think. But what he means is that there is within us a wholeness, peace, a sense of being at rest. And if there is ever going to be peace in the body of Christ, then it cannot happen if our hearts are not at peace. If you don't have peace in your life, the odds are you're not going to have peace in the body of Christ. And so it's important for us to focus on what Paul is saying here because what happens is if I don't have peace in here, if I'm not at peace, if all there's in me is fear and anxiety and turbulence, if that's what's in here, unrest that would explain a lot why in a church body that someone when someone said something could get so offended that they just leave and never come back just just disconnect just pull apart it explains in a lot of reasons why people are restless and they may join five different churches in five years in the same community because they they're they're restless their their heart is not at rest they lack peace therefore all everything around them in their world becomes chaotic that's not how god designed it for us jesus in fact said this 
in John 14, peace I leave with you, he says, my peace, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So let your hearts, don't, so let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Turbulence and fear. Your heart, Jesus' peace came to, to take care of that. Now, earthly peace, that's temporary. There, you know, people have a truce and then they'll be back at war and, you know, there'll be peace here. But listen, it, just look on the world map. There is, you may go, okay, well, peace is broken out over here, but war is broken out over there. And you may look around, hey, look in our own communities. You may find that within a family, hey, you have days where, man, things are peaceful and just rocking along real well. And then you've got days of utter turbulence in your family life. Human peace is so frail and so temporary but jesus says listen i've got a peace that is not a surface kind of peace i've got a peace that affects the heart because there's only one answer to a fearful turbulent heart and that answer is jesus jesus is enough to calm your troubled hearts and jesus is enough to put your fears to rest but you can only have this peace You can only have this peace when you know that you are in Him, when you know your position in Christ, when you know your identity in Christ. Otherwise, you're constantly clamoring after everything. But when you know, when you know that Jesus is enough, when there is no doubt in your mind that Jesus is enough, when you can wake up in the morning and go to bed at night and know that Jesus is enough, There is a peace beyond all understanding that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Because you know that you are in him. You know that your salvation is secure. You know that you are never alone because he's promised to never leave you and never forsake you. You know that he is meeting your needs according to his glorious riches. You know that he is working to make us more like him with each passing day. And you know that when you fail, And and James tells us we all stumble in many ways. When you fail, when you fall back into those old patterns, when you fall back into that old sin, you know that there is a gracious God who is willing to come and you can find mercy and love and restoration in his presence that he doesn't push you aside. Oh, you've made one mistake too many. You're toast. That's not my Savior. I hope it's not your Savior. And the only way that you can truly know peace, literally, is to truly know who your Savior, Jesus, is. That Savior is to rule. That that peace is to rule in your hearts. Now, rule, we think of like a judge. Well, think more of an umpire. This word is a sporting word. It it means that this word of peace ruling in your heart, the, the umpire is the one who explains the rules and keeps you on the course and keeps you from going astray and calls the fouls and all these things. And so what what Paul is trying to say here is that the peace of Christ should govern our hearts, keep our minds from going out of bounds, and to make sure we stay on course. Or in other words, we're to let the peace of Christ act. Think about it in the context of the church. We're to let the peace of Christ act as an umpire in our relationships in the life of the church. 
when someone says something that hurts you or does something that slights you, you're to let the peace of Christ be the umpire. You're not the one that calls the balls and the strikes. You're not the one that calls someone out of bounds. You're not the one who sets the rules. Paul says, let the peace of Christ do that. You value peace as much as Christ values peace. And then he adds these words. And it's almost like there's just an attachment. He says, and be thankful. What do, what do we need to be thankful for? Well, I'll tell you what, we've got a lot of reasons to be thankful. We, we heard count your blessings this morning, but we've got a lot of reasons to be thankful. But I believe Paul will tell us this morning that here's what you need to be thankful for. That you are in Christ and that you are in the body of Christ. Be thankful that you are in Christ, that you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And be thankful that you're in the body of Christ, that there is peace and harmony that you can have with brothers and sisters. So that you don't have to be so easily offended and you don't have to be so quick-tempered. And you don't have to be so quick to jump from one church to another. There can be harmony. There can be unity in spite of our differences. Now listen, I, I want to I I jump on down. Let's look at verse 16 as time wanes on us. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. God's desire is that the peace of Christ would rule in your hearts and that the word of Christ would take up residence, move in, back up the moving truck, and, and, and just unload into your life. And I would dare say that without the word of Christ in us, it'll be impossible for us to have the peace of Christ holding sway over our hearts. If we don't have the word of Christ in us, we're going to have a hard time having the peace of Christ in us. The word of Christ is either the word delivered by Christ or the word about Christ. It really doesn't matter which one Paul's talking about because what he's saying is it's God's truth that is anchored and centered in Jesus. That's what he's talking about when he mentions the word of Christ. And it's to dwell in us richly or abundantly, overflowing in our lives. How does this start? Let me tell you, let me, get, let me tell you the opposite. Let me tell you how it won't happen. It won't happen if personally you're never opening up the Bible and reading it. If you're, not, if you're not reading the Bible on your own, and again, you don't have to read 12 chapters a day or 20 chapters a day or a whole book a day. You may be reading a chapter a day. But if you're not opening that and reading it, how's it going to get in there? Beyond that. You have other opportunities as a, as a member of this church or as a, an attender of this church. You have an opportunity. We have small groups. They get together and guess what they do? They not only have fellowship together and pray together and, and encourage each other, they also open God's word and study it together and say, okay, what is God saying? How can we apply it? Not only in the context of my life, but in the context of my family and in the context of my community and the context of my church, how can I apply this? Listen, avail yourself of these opportunities they are manifold all you have to do is just say let me just try one if you don't like that one you can try another one there's plenty you'll find something that fits 
obviously being a part of a worship service on a regular basis where you're hearing God's word that is getting out to you and you're able to, to, to reflect on that during the week or maybe you, maybe you have to go back and listen online to, get, to, you know, to try to see what you missed. But whatever it is, avail yourself of these opportunities to get the word of Christ in you. Now, we're to do it as a church, he says, with teaching and singing. Teaching seems pretty obvious. It's just communicating God's truth. He uses the word admonishing. You notice that? We usually think of admonishing as fussing at somebody, wagging your finger in their face. And there is a little bit of that implied in that because it does have the aspect of correction. But more than any, it's, it's putting the truth of God up in your face so that you can see which way to go that you know which way to go. And sometimes it's comforting and sometimes it's confrontational, but it's never mean. Teaching and admonishing one another. And we're to do it in wisdom. In other words, not haphazardly. We're to ask, what is the best way for us to communicate this truth? How do we get it across? And that's why, you know, in sermon preparation, I spend probably 16 to 20 hours in preparation for one message. Because I'm asking myself, what is it that God's saying and how can I communicate this in such a way that it brings about the possibility of life transformation? That you would be so confronted with the word of God, you would say, you know what? That brings conviction to me, I need to change. Or that brings comfort to me, I need to rest in him. Or whatever it is that God is saying to you that allows you to get the message and ingest it and make it a part of you so that it begins to change so that the peace of Christ can rule in your heart and the word of Christ can dwell in your life. And it can be transformational. But listen, God's truth can and will transform us, but it won't happen if we keep it at a distance. It's not going to happen. Just because we have five different translations on the shelf in our house won't mean a thing. The word of God is not in us the word of christ is not in us now i do want to say something about singing and i don't want to spend a lot of time on this because john duncan was here and he shared more than i could possibly share but he goes singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and all these are a little bit distinct and and i don't honestly i don't think paul would want us to spend all of our time just parsing those words i think he wants us to get the point and the point is this music can be a great instrument not only for inspiration but for teaching truth that sticks we sang some songs this morning some of the older songs that some of you went hey i, I remember that from growing up and a child as a child i remember that from this church and and these songs some of these you've got these memorized and they can just play like a cd or an mp3 player or whatever it is in your brain you know these songs and they teach this sound theology and listen when, I, when Jackie was in the hospital a few years back uh, and we, we knew or felt pretty confident that she had MS and we were struggling with decisions and obviously there was a lot of turbulence in the room and in our hearts. And you know what Jackie asked me to do? She said, Dad, would you sing to me? Why? Because Paul understands something that we understand quite supernaturally. And that is that music and the word of God put to music, praise of God put to music, it's not only inspiring, 
it also grounds us. And so just as I put time into preparation of the teaching of God's word, Michael puts preparation in preparing the music so that it can not only inspire you, not only go out and go, woo, that was a great piece of music, but you can go out and it sticks. It's with you. And you find yourself singing it after lunch on Sunday and in the middle of the week and the truth that really, really sticks in you. And then he tosses it in it again. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Now this word thankfulness comes from the Greek root word that means grace or joy or delight. So let me put it this way. Our singing is to express an inward, sincere, heartfelt delight in the grace of God. As we join our voices, whether they are pleasant or gruff, you know who you are with the voices of our brothers and sisters to extol the greatness of our God. And then he goes on. Let's, let's, let's look at this last verse very quickly. Verse 17. And whatever you do, whatever means everything. It leaves nothing out. There is no division between secular and sacred, between church and work and home and there is no division. These lines are erased. Whatever you do in word, that is what you say, or deed, that is what you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is again, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'm going to give you a simple plumb line to drop into your life. This may be the only thing you take with you when you leave, but a simple question, simple thought that you can drop down into your life when you're struggling with, should I do this, should I do that, what, what's my decision? And that is this. If you can't do it in the name of Jesus, should you be doing it at all? That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's about as simple as a WWJD bracelet. If you can't do it in the name of Jesus, should you really be doing it at all? And our attitude in all this, as we've said twice and we say again the third time, is gratitude, giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus. God has chosen us and he's set us apart and he's called us to share this good news. Jesus is enough and we can be so grateful for that. Gratitude's a big deal for Paul. So we're to be thankful that we have peace with God through Christ and peace with one another through Christ. And we can be thankful that we have the word of Christ to fill us and to change us and to change our community of believers. And we can be thankful that in this world, broken and turbulent as it is, you and I have the privilege of sharing the love of Christ and the message of Christ Let me leave you with this thought. The evidence of a heart, mind, life, and church filled with Christ is thankfulness. If we're not brimming with gratitude, then we really need to wonder if we need a deeper, more intimate connection with the peace of Christ, with the word of Christ, with the call of Christ on our lives, and with the people of Christ. My prayer for you is that you will have the peace of Christ ruling in your heart.
that you will have the word of Christ indwelling you, filling you each and every day, and that everything that you do, everything, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, everything that you do, you could do in the name of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for speaking through us and to us. And Father, we want to respond to you. We want to respond in faith, first of all, trusting in this peace that you promise. We want to respond in action by by taking advantage of every opportunity to have the word of God come and to live in us, take up residence in us. And Lord, we want to be people who carry the name of Jesus, not just on Sunday, but carry it every day of the week. God, we can't do this alone. We need you to do it in us. We need you to do it through us. And Lord, we need the people around us. We need our church. And so, Lord, I pray today that whatever decision you're calling us to make, it may be a small thing, it may be a great thing, but whatever decision you're calling us to make, Lord, that you will give us the strength and that you will give us the humility to make that decision. Lord, there may be some who who need to receive Jesus as Savior. They've never done that before. They don't have the same story that Jerry could tell of a time in their life where they knew Christ and chose to follow him. Lord, there may be those who need a place to plug in in the life of a church. They need to become a part of a church. And you've been calling them to that, to become a member. And Lord, I, I pray that if that's what you're leading them to do, that you move any barriers that stand in their way. And there may be some, Lord, who need to come. Who need to come in repentance and just do business with you. To admit that their life is filled with turbulence and fear, that they've not received the peace that you want them to have. That their lives are devoid of your truth because they leave their Bible on the shelf collecting dust. They they aren't connected anywhere where they can get the word into them. Or maybe, Lord, they just need to come in repentance because they recognize that if that plumb line were dropped into their life, that there's so many things that, that they are doing and saying that are so far outside what Jesus would have for them. And so, Lord, we come today in faith and we come to respond to you. And we thank you for enabling us to respond by giving us the faith to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.